As a professional, have you been wondering how you can get unstuck so that you can actually go after your passions and your goals? I'm Kristen Spencer, the host of Your Business Story Podcast, and today we're going to explore that with guest Christy Tyson. Remember the show's host is Kristen, she's on a business writing mission to make sure you know what words to say so that what you deserve is what you'll get paid because storytelling changes everything, get pumped for the epic knowledge in today's episode of Your Business Story. This is episode 36 of season one, you getting an ROI on yourself with Christy Tyson. Today, we have an amazing guest. I cannot wait to introduce you to. She has a real laundry list of amazing accomplishments in her career. Welcome, Christy Tyson. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I just ran through a bunch of raindrops and up some stairs to get here. So I'm just really excited to be here for this opportunity. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. So uh, for everyone who's listening, I branded, I do this without talking to people, I branded Christy as the management and leadership expert because she has so much experience and education and just like all these different amazing things. But I thought today we could talk a little bit about your story and talk about who you serve. Does that sound good? Yes, that's great. Thank you so much. Okay, so what would you say is the most important problem you solve for the people who work with you? And what kind of people do you love working with? Good question. So I would say the most important problem is for those individuals that feel stuck or that they're in a repetitive cycle. So I am going to one day write a book called The Job Hopper's Guide to Passion. And that's really what it is. So those individuals that continue to just not be fulfilled in their career, continue to job hop, don't know what their next step is, don't know what their end goals are. And I help them realize what that passion might be for them. And we together work on necessary steps and milestones to get them on the right direction towards that path and just accomplishing their goals and feeling fulfilled in their careers ultimately. So people that that. we work with are emerging leaders. So it does not matter the industry. It does not matter how long you've been in a career field or if you have education or not. It's really, are you an emerging leader? Do you feel the itch or the pulling to support individuals, to influence individuals, to help in other people's leadership and growth, I would consider you an emerging leader. I love that. We do have a shout out from one of our uh, Innovation Women friends, Abby Demi. Hello. She was on the show with me yesterday and she's giving us a shout out. Thank you, friend. Um, I love that. It, I love, I love all your qualifications, right? Normally I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I try not to qualify myself too much, but I love how you're qualifying the people you work with. You're like, it doesn't matter what industry, it doesn't matter if you are a leader right now, if you feel like you're a leader, I will help you. That is amazing. So how did you get into this space? Like, what is your story? Obviously you are a leader yourself. So did that play into it? I can't wait to hear the answer. Well, first, thank you so much for that. 
And I wouldn't even say an expert because I'm still trying to figure this out like everyone else and figure out what I want to do when I grow up, right? That's a right. question on everyone's mind. What do you want to retire from? So I'm not there yet. However, I do realize that once you're in your passion, when you find your reason for being, you don't want to retire, right? Like you're going to be doing what you love to do and it won't feel like work. And you're like, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. Like even if I don't get a paycheck for you, if I just volunteer or give my time and support and grow other people, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. So I definitely don't know what I want to retire from if that's the question. But for myself, I got into this kind of by trial and error. I've always known I've been destined for greatness. I'm very religious and I believe that I have an abundance and an anointment on my life. And I've really just been trying to find what that path looks like for me. And guys, I like, I really want to walk in his will and do what he has placed me on this earth to do in regards to being a servant. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the quote by um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that said that Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. And I've really been trying to live that motto. So I've really just been trying to serve, help other people be successful and develop and grow and support, literally just support anyone that comes my path. I feel, especially as an educator, I feel like if there's a student in my classroom or a student in my office, God put them there for a reason. Mm. It's my duty to now support them in their leadership, in their growth, in their careers, in their passion. And if I don't do that, I'm not fulfilling what my purpose is and my abundance is. And I understand, right, just like David, if you don't use it, you lose it. So I want my anointings to be taken away from me. So I want to work and I want to do it. I want to serve and I want to support others ultimately. And God has just continued to put me in places to be able to grow and be able to support more and more and more people. So I know that that's where I need to be, right? Because he makes it easy, right? Um, Again, it's the same thing. If you're walking in his will, that what you're doing is not going to be hard. So will because he's allowing these doors to be open for me to be able to continue to serve, to be able to continue to support. Yeah, that's something that I really uh, had to learn the hard way where I would be like, there's this door here. It is firmly closed in my face let me try to like shove my way through it no no that's not yes, that's when one is not for you right exactly right? it's hard it's going to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. it's going to be a bad culture i've worked for the devil right i've worked for some very not great bosses and that's when he makes it so uncomfortable for you that you want to move you feel like you have to move you're sick you're stressed out you don't want to go into work tomorrow you you hate Mondays, right? All the people that hate Mondays, you're in the wrong spot. Right. You <laughs> should like Mondays. Or it's not the right time or you're in the wrong place, right? So I'll try to support my emerging leaders by saying, okay, we need to find out for you, for you, because that looks different for everybody. What's your right place? What's your right time, right? What's the right thing you should be doing at the right compensation? Yes, right. We need to get paid. It's okay to get paid. Yes. You're valued. You're definitely valued and your services are wanted, right? They wouldn't have the role there if they didn't need the services. I love that. I'm just taking some notes for later. (laughs) So then what would you say is like the biggest pain that the people you work with, what pain are they in right now? And you know, you know, because you are working with leadership, they think they know what they need to do, but usually it's like, you're like, okay, like back up five steps. So what do they really need to do? 
Good question. Again, it's very unique. It depends on the leader because I have some very seasoned leaders that are close to retirement or retired and they are starting new careers and they're trying to package their older, you know, managerial styles or their other careers that they've had in the past with new science of leadership, new technology, new behavior, cultural philosophies and theories, etc. So it is unique for everybody. But my biggest pain point that I've seen in emerging leaders is, again, the I don't know burden. Right. Mm. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to start. I don't know who to talk to, what rooms to be in. I don't know where to start. They, they're moving. They're very busy, but they're not productive. Oh, I love that. And their movement, even though it's deliberate, is not adding value and they're not seeing a return on their investment. Right. That's a huge pay point. They're like, I'm doing all of these things, yada, yada, yada. But yet I'm still stuck. I'm still in the cycle. I'm not growing or achieving the way I want or deserve or should be. And they, then that's a huge pay point that I've seen. Again, that's that cycle. And not only is it physically draining because you're physically spending time, energy and money, but it's emotionally draining and spiritually and so when I see a lot of leaders, once we start talking, they don't even realize how it plays on their mental and their emotions until we start talking. And I've had leaders, you know, just cry. Like, I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. That really. Yeah. I mean, I've been there myself where all I can say is I'm tired. I'm so tired. And like. That was because I was being so busy, but not productive. Like you said, I was trying to sell to the wrong group. I had a business that was failing year after year, three years in a row. And I just felt like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I needed someone else to come into my life and open up those realities to me because I was like, I think I'm doing everything right. And they're like, well, actually, the people you're targeting don't have any money to hire you. And I was like, oh, no, that's true. Yes. And ultimately, they are following what other people typically that's what I see too. they're following what other people's ideas of successes or listening to their friends and family members, which are great. Like I'm not saying that they're not great support, but again, it's the idea of what's best for you. So mm-hmm. they'll be listening to other people and they are staying somewhere that they hate or they're doing stuff that whatever, right? Does not get a real good return. They're like, but I'm doing everything that I want someone me to do. And why, right? And that's like, <laughs> we try to dive into that why and say, okay, let's take a, something. We have to, you know, take a moment of reflection and say, okay, let's do what's best for you. Not. Yeah everyone else thinks is best for you or if you're comparing yourself to other people. And I tell you, that's, that's the, the death right there. Like don't compare yourself to anybody. Right. Comparison not- kills. Comparison kills everyone. Don't do it. Don't do it. So we really focus on them uniquely and say, okay, let's talk about you. What do you love to do? What do you, are you skilled to do? What do you have a passion? What's your interest? What could the world need? Right. What can you provide that the world might need or want? And and we kind of narrow that down to find their right reason for being. And it might change over time. Again, it's, it's really just reflective. And then once we kind of narrow that down, we can start talking about additional steps that's going to help move them in the right direction. 
Right, like practical things they yeah. probably don't think about. Especially when it comes to time, money, and effort, because we only get so much of that, right? If I'm a 100% person, I have a 100% paycheck, right? I have a 100% amount of time and a 100% amount of energy. And what you dedicate that energy to, right? Like 10% to family, 10% to friends, 20% to job, whatever, right? You can't give 100% to everything, I'm sorry. So you have right. to prioritize and say, okay, what am I dedicating my time to? And it might be some things on there we have to take off. Yes. The art of subtraction. Yeah. Take it off. Energy, the whole nine yards. Yeah. I love that. And also, um, you know, like I've been thinking about that a lot myself. Like what can I subtract? Because I love relationships. So I'll just pursue things because I like being with people and it's fun. But I'm like, okay, is this actually moving the needle? Like I just looked at a year's worth of TikTok data. Because TikTok is fun. Let's let's be honest about TikTok. It's fun. And I was like, okay, I spent 365 days posting. Some days I would post 15, 20 posts. And I was like, I got one sale out of 365 days. Should I be investing this much time in TikTok? And what is the obvious answer? Well, with TikTok, probably not. Or do it more deliberately. Right. So even if you wanted to try to cut down your time with TikTok or just repackage what you were doing. Right. So it may have not been that TikTok was a bad thing, but maybe your delivery model towards it might have been differently. So I've used TikTok for video challenges because I'm a speaker at heart as well. So I do a lot of educational speaking and to boost my speaking platform. I did three minute videos Every day for 77 days. Okay. I like it. 77, the number of completion. Mm -hmm. It was just snippets of random topics that came up in my day. And I would mostly, mostly do them in the car, waiting in the car line to pick up my son. Because right, this scenario would have been on Facebook anyways. So I'll just do a three minute video. And that was a lot of practice because I'd never used TikTok before. So that was really my return on investment. I've never used TikTok before. I didn't have a profile. I think I got like 33 followers out of it. <laughs> but that was the idea. So you have to know what your your why. What do you want? What do you want out of it? Yeah. And like for me, I was like, I would love clients from this. And then I was like, okay, this is not working. Like I did a TikTok intensive school. I was serious about it, right? Like <laughs> and I was like, you know, and honestly, a lot and a lot of my clients will say this to me. My people are not on TikTok. Yes. And I think that's a valid thing to ask yourself, are the people that you need in your business who need you, right? Are they on that platform? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's definitely a why. So for me, it wasn't to boost sales or anything. It was just to practice speaking, right, in an informal and fun way. And I learned a new platform. After the 77-day video challenge, I deleted the app. <laughs> you're like goodbye you have served your purpose i'm not gonna dedicate any time to it and it takes a space on my phone <laughs> right i love it okay so what then is your solution to their problem and how do you get it for them i know you said like you help them with questions about their unique situation you remind them kindly that comparison kills and you want them to think about the time money and effort so how do you help them with that part because I think that's what I'm asking like how do you figure out what practical steps they need to take with your expertise based on all of your years of experience good question so I do a lot of coaching 
So after we have that conversation, typically I can find a couple of coaching, a coachable, I should say, moments in these conversations because everyone's not coachable, right? They, they can hear advice, they can take suggestions, and then they leave out your door and they're going to do what they want. So most of my clients, right, or just not even clients, but most of the people I talk to in general, uh, I could find some coachable moments and say, okay, what I hear your, what I think I hear you saying is, and here is some of my advice or tips, and this is how I'm going to assist you and support you and coach you through these areas. And we try to have meetings and whatnot. So one of, for example, one of my students is very passionate. Oh, I love her to death. But when, it's, when we ever talk about any type of topic that she's emotionally passionate about, right, where it's, it's touching her heart, right? It's a heart story. Right. It's loud. Loud. It's just shaking and that group, that the room gets loud and out. No one is listening anymore, right? Because everybody's trying to talk over each other. I'm trying to quiet the room. She's getting frustrated. Everybody getting frustrated. And then at the end of the conversation, people have completely missed the mark. They don't even remember what's happening and the energy, right? You can feel the energy in the room kind of tingling. So I take her aside and I say, okay, here's a cultural moment. And we talked about vocal variety, variety and using your voice as a tool and having control because and that was a, that control piece was some additional areas that we use for control for coaching later on because there's a lot of aspects of her life that she doesn't feel like she has control over mm-hmm. after her growth and development. And we said, okay, we're going to work on saying, yes, I do have control. And if I don't have control, I'm going to switch my mindset about these things. So we worked really hard on her practicing vocal variety, having control over her value and her, her tone. Because mm-hmm. as a leader, you can't have your voice, your emotions controlling you, right? Right, yeah. You have to be able to be in control, right, of your emotions. That's emotional intelligence, social awareness, as well as your vocal variety and your tone. I said, if you were the leader of that classroom, that whole room was literally out of control. If I was the leader, so I had to bring everybody back down to a, uh, an equitable and effective playing field. But so we worked on that for her for a little bit and she got she improved ultimately in regards to her vocal variety, feeling more confident because the opposite for her again, would not have a control over her value is that well, I don't want to talk anymore. Mm, just to shut off. Right. So if I can't get what I'm saying out the way I want to get it out, right, or that the way it just naturally comes out, which is loud and she's shaking this whole thing. Right. I don't even want to talk. I'm like, well, we can't do that either, right? That's not okay. Right. We, we need we need to find a balance, right? Like what you say matters and it valuable. And we need you. We need that diversity of thought. We need that opinion. And literally you're passionate about this. So you've done your research, et cetera. We need that voice. We need your opinion. We just have to work on your delivery. And again, once she's ready to hear that, we can work on it. And so that's that practical piece. So right. finding those coachable moments where they're ready, they're willing to be coached. And then supporting them through that. I love that. All right. So let's go back in time a little bit. Is that okay? Yes. So you, 
Like, I was looking at your list. So you're a facilitator, a trainer, a leadership consultant, and a professor. And I know you do public speaking, too. You're part of Toastmasters. That's how we met. Uh, was I went to one of your events, which was so fun and amazing. And, like, you you consult. You're an affiliate of our business school, right? Like, it's a, it's a long list. How... There's How did you that list that's missing too? I just became an alumni board member of our alma mater. I'm a associate of the Association for Talent and Development, vice president president of chapter services, it's a bunch of other things on there. Right. Like, yes, we could we could be reading it for like another 15 minutes, definitely. But like going back in time, like, do you see yourself as being on this path? Like when you look at yourself as a child, like what was it that drove you to accomplish so many of these things and to continue because you're continuing to accomplish more and more things, right? Yes, trying, trying. Definitely. Um, A couple of classes away from my doctoral degree, which is super exciting. But for childhood, if you had told me I would have been in education my entire life as a career and as a lifelong student, I'd have told you you were lying. Right, right. And I was a great student in undergrad or in elementary, junior high, high school. I lived in the in detention. I was good for coming in late and just talking and being disruptive and being a bully. Actually, I'm really tiny, but it was fun as a bully. And then. <laughs> And, right? It was like, it was funny. I don't know. The power. It was, it was just, you probably didn't take me serious. And I just wanted to be, I don't want to be heard and just be me. But so, and I, and I was in at, at risk youth programs actually in high school. But so I saw the education piece out of like, oh no, you're lying. But <laughs> as far as being a leader, yes, I think. It is that idea is our leaders born or made? Mm-hmm. And I think both are true. So I definitely think from a very early age, I had great leadership qualities instilled in me from my mother. My mother was a single parent and we lived impoverished and she worked. When I tell you, she worked so many jobs all the time, day and night. And to see her have to catch a bus. My mother did not get her driver's license until she was in her 50s. So we caught buses every day of my life in the rain, snow. I'm in Buffalo, New York in those winters, snot running, you know, frozen tears. And she worked. And I think seeing that type of work ethic basically taught me like, oh, I'm going to drink my water and go to work. Right. I'm going to provide, I'm going to have grit. I'm going to have endurance. I don't make excuses. I don't complain. This is what I have to do. And so that was already instilled within me as a child, like, you know, five, seven, seeing her do these things, still get up, do my hair, keep a clean house, feed everyone. It was ridiculous. And uh, we lived with my grandmother who had cancer and she would take care of her. And then when I got a little bit older, about 13 or so, then it was like, oh, you got responsibilities. <laughs> so I was paying bills. So back in the day, when you had like paper bills that would come to the to the house, you would take the money out of the sheet of the paper and you would take it to like the corner store, the tops or whatever you paid with the money order. So I was paying bills. I was going to my grandmother's doctor's appointments and being able to relay 13 years old, being able to relay information to her doctors and back 
to my mother, help with medication, Rite Aid runs for prescriptions, the whole nine yards. Like I had responsibilities, huge ones. All right, let's take a few seconds for our sponsor break because their business stories matter too. When people ask what you do as a professional, do your palms and pits start to sweat? Do you break out in hives? Well, don't worry, we've got you covered. Today, you can take Literary Symmetry's complimentary 30-minute masterclass to help you craft your one big sentence so that next time you have 60 seconds to share your story, you know exactly what to say. Because your business story matters. Sign up today at literarysymmetry.com forward slash pathway. And now back to our episode about an epic business owner just like you. And then I started uh, Mirror Summit Youth really early. I think I was about 14. got my first working papers and it was amazing. I had my interview like right after church. I was still in my nurse's uniform because I volunteered right all in my church. So again, that idea of volunteering service was in me early on. So I went to Burger King, Mirror Summit Youth, or I had the working papers in my church white nurse's uniform to the interview at Burger King. Needless to say, I got the job. Yeah. So worked Burger King, then worked Kmart through high school in the, you know, whatever, whatever. I just, I was, it was in me. It was always in me. And then I got connected with a great support system. Like I said, I was part of an at-risk youth program here in Buffalo, New York for the Buffalo Urban League um, in school youth program. And that's when I really got my first taste of what I deemed as successful. One of the directors had a nice car, wore a suit every day. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be like you. Right. <laughs> and then so, um, I got more aware of my surroundings at my church. And it was a lot of individuals there that was like, hey, well, you can come with me to award ceremonies. You can come with me to galas. And, it, and when I was in high school, and I was like, I want to be like all of these shiny people. Right. They, they were just so shiny. And that was my idea. I was like, that's as a child, right? In high school, I was like, that's my idea of success. What do I need to do to get that? And I was a firm believer that success le- led to clues. Mm. So stayed around the right people. So again, once I got that good support system, I was stuck to them like glue. I was literally the little kid, high school, with all of these adults everywhere. And because I just wanted to know. I wanted to soak up that energy. I wanted to know what you did and how can I get there? And I, I was a firm believer that success led Let's clues and those folks, they so seized it to me. They gave me the same advice that I'm giving to other people. And this is my opportunity to now not only sow the, the seeds that was into me, it was watered by my support system, but to right. give those seeds to other people. I love that. And this has been like the accidental theme of this whole season is be curious, right? You were like, I think there are clues. I'm going to hang around these people. And I cannot tell you, like, I'm a copywriter copywriters make a lot of money. Like, let's just be honest about it. Because if you can sell, you can make money. And there are high schoolers and they're like, I'm going to go to college, even though I don't know what I want to major in. And I'm like, or you could intern with me and I'll teach you how to make a crap ton of money. And none of them take me up on it. And it's not that like college is so useful and valuable. And I spent time with a bunch of college students yesterday who are learning how to be teachers. And I love it. But it's if you don't know what you want to learn yet, maybe it's good to take some time. What is your thought on that? I'm always like talking to my kids about this because they're thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know. Do you want to go $50,000 in debt when you have no idea what you want to study yet? Let's talk about that. 
Good question. So obviously about education, so I'm always going to be pro-education, and that's a little bit biased. And I'm also pro-business because of all things business. I have an associate in business administration. I have a bachelor's in management with a minor in economics. I have my master's of business administration, and I'll be in a, a doctorate of management and organizational leadership. So I'm all things business. Right. And so that'll be my first silent plug or not so silent plug and say, get a business degree. Every industry, every organization, whether it's healthcare, education, the church, a not-for-profit, what have you, tech, talent development, they're banking, they're all businesses. Right. Right. So get a business degree. First and foremost, again, get an associate's is two years, not a big deal. And it gives you something on your resume as you're figuring it out. You can go part-time, you don't have to go full-time, et cetera. You can go online now. The list kind of goes orderly. You can take one class at a time. The list kind of goes orderly. So business is always my first go-to because it gives you something on the resume and it gives you additional opportunities to try other fields because you also have elective spaces. Right. So I got a like I got a you know a minor in economics. I've seen people take minors in graphic design, information technology, healthcare, whatever, whatever. So you could also use that elective space to dabble in other fields that you might be interested in more. Uh, but also, even if college wasn't an option, infor- informational interviews. I tell my students, just anyone who's interested that. People love talking about themselves. That's true. <laughs> Look at us now. So <laughs> what you do is you find people that, again, that you say, hey, you look successful. You're, you're my idea of success, whatever that might be. And how did you get here? What did you do? And they're going to tell you. And then if you get a career field that you're interested in, find some people on Facebook, LinkedIn, Indeed, whoever, go to a networking event, join an association, a not-for-profit, a membership group, go to an award ceremony. Every industry has an award ceremony everywhere, right? Or a conference, something. Um, read a book, go talk to the author, et cetera, and ask these people about their lives. And, and you just tell them, I'm a student, I'm a high school student, or I'm an emerging leader, and I have questions. Can I use 15 minutes of your time to ask you some questions about how you got here? And I guarantee you, they will say yes. And if they don't say yes, you go find another person. Right. Don't give up with right. one no. And, you just, and I would even say just find one person, find five, six. And you just keep talking to people in that field. Keep picking their brain and get to know the field, get to know their education or if they did, if they had, whatever, and talk to more people. And as you talk, your, your questions are going to be answered. Or you're going to have more questions or they may have actual opportunities for you. I love that. I've seen so many people who do these informal interviews and it leads to jobs, at least internships, apprenticeships, followerships, um, sponsored conference tickets. The list kind of goes on and on, but you don't know unless you ask. Well, and I think that goes back to what we were just talking about. When leaders see curious people, they value them more because they know they're going to want to learn. They're going to be open to hearing things they've never heard before. Right. Like, do you value that in your students? Like when you see someone who's curious, do you kind of like put like a little check mark next to their name in your head? Um, So two things I thought of. One, when you are asking people for their time. Make it short and quick, value their time, have your questions already ready 
and or let them even know what the questions are going to be ahead of time. Like, hey, I want to ask you four questions. Here's the questions. If you can't meet with me, can you just email me your answers, whatever? Just make sure that you're valuing their time. And if they're trying to charge you or anything like that, that might not be the person. Mm. Right. Again, if it's just something quick. So you want to be mindful of everyone else's intent and again, value their time as well. Yeah, but then in true. addition to my students being curious, oh, I love it. Again, I'm a <laughs> and I'm and I'm looking for so I'm looking right. Hear me when I say it. I'm looking for opportunities to plant seeds and water seeds. So mm-hmm. if you want to ask me a question, oh, you're gonna have a conversation. Just know I'll talk to you. <laughs> it's okay. What you want to know? Right. So I love that, but it's also that idea of the why. So why are you asking? And sometimes they're looking for me to give them confirmation or what ha- what have you. So you want to know why? And are they really asking the right questions? Yeah, so that's so important. Reflection too, because they might think this is the question that they want to be asking, or that's the polite question to ask or whatever. But there might be some actual deeper questions in there that you that really need that that they need that answer to. But I'm right. not, I don't take a mental note or a checkbox, though, because I treat all of my students kind of e- equally and with an, an equitable lens where everybody, I tell, I tell other instructors that all my students are my baby birds. And I'm like, what do you need? You're my baby birds. All of, <laughs> like, literally all my students, no matter the age, no matter the discipline, no matter the, the modality, they're all my little baby birds. I want to support all of them. So right. some birds just need more support. And I'm going to give it to them, right? No matter what. Do you have those students, though, who will follow up with you after the course? Like the ones who are like, help me more. What do you do? Like, is that exciting for you? I help them more. Um, again, to a certain extent, because I already have so much time, money, energy as well. So if for those students that want me to proofread their resumes, proofread the essays, I say, oh, no, no, no. Tutor, et cetera, writing center. Right. Those are already built in for you. Uh, if they want to talk about careers, we will talk about them. And then I will. And again, I'm not stepping on anybody else's toes. And that's what they're there for as far as their expertise in wheelhouse. So right. if they're talking about careers. Oh, I'm right there for you. But once we narrow it down, then I'll pass you on to, again, support. So I like to give my students resources. Yeah. Because again, I'm about to save all be all. I'm just a sounding board. So here's the resources. So I pass them on to organizations, other leaders, career planning. You know, the list kind of goes on and on. Yeah, but you have that. You have that structure set up where you're like, okay, they asked me this. I can give them this. So you already did all the legwork to be able to support them that way. Yes. And then even if it's not current students, so obviously I'm going to do letters of recommendations. So I have a lot of students that need the letters for jobs or honor societies or other programs, masters or doctorals. So writing those letters, staying in contact, I will, after they graduate, say, hey, now you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And if there's opportunities back at the college for them to do things as alumni or other organizations or leaders, I think they should get connected to. If I did not already make that connection while they were in the classroom, I'm going to make it via LinkedIn. I'm going to share the flyer with them throughout the messenger and things of that nature, because again, I want to always be a resource. It's not like a one and done because you graduated or you're not in my class anymore. Right. I'm always going to be a resource, right? I'm in the community. I'm a community member, right, with you. And I'm going to see you at the Walmart. My son might have you when he 
goes for a job, you might be his boss one day. Like I'm always going to be a resource for you. And, and that's kind of how I couch it. I love it. Okay. So to recap, because also you recap, you told like in my head, I remember like you were talking and you said something about, I, I tell them what they said back to clarify. And I cannot tell you how valuable that is. That's something that I'm working with my tutoring students. I'm working with the you know business owners that hire me, like just asking a simple follow-up question. Like I heard this, is that right? That's a big piece of what active listening, right? Because I'm not listening to respond and say the whole time in my head, oh, I have your answer. I'm listening. And then I'm asking for understanding. This is what I heard you say. Am I correct? Or correct me, right? If I miss something. Right. Help me if I didn't get it. And then that gives them the opportunity to dive deeper and provide additional clarification or tell me if I did miss the mark. And again, as I'm listening, I might also jot down notes and I'll tell them like, hey, you see me looking down, that's because I'm jotting down notes. Right. Because I am listening and I can't retain everything. So I'm jotting down what I think are key themes or, or patterns or whatever, key concepts or words that I want to refer to later. But I'm listening now, so I'm jotting it down so we can talk about it later. And I think that's a big piece. Um, I'm also very intent. So I, I am one of those people that will make you uncomfortable with eye contact. So I want to <laughs> show everyone I'm talking to. Again, not just my students, but I talk to members of the community all the time in, in different organizations. But I want to show them that they, that I'm listening, that they're valued, that their words are important. So I will make unbreakable eye contact. And I'm like, I'm I love it. It doesn't make me uncomfortable. It makes me feel valued. Definitely. Right. And if I see them getting uncomfortable because they may not be used to it. And if I know the person enough or build enough connection, then I might touch them. Right. I give them permission. Right. Yes. Put my arm in my head on your, on your shoulder. Or can you just come closer? Right. To tell them like, no, I'm in your space. Like we, we're in this together. We're sharing space right now. And again, that's where I see a lot of students get emotional. Like she's holding my hand. Mm, yeah I love it so okay. I schooler in a college I was never in a, a, how can I put that I was a very uh, not necessarily closed off it, it was like a contradictory I was a contradictory person myself like I was very tough like I said a bully mean a smart mouth all that good stuff but would be crying on a bus Hmm. And I just cry or if I went to church and one of my eyes hugged me like two seconds too long just a ball of tears I never knew why right like what was happening so I see that a lot of people don't get that one-on-one like I'm sharing space with you right opportunity to be vulnerable in a safe space and again I, I needed that it is some spaces I had that and I get, I want to provide that for others. Hmm. That's amazing. Okay. So let me do something really meta now, which is I'm going to recap some of the things you said, and then I'm going to give you your one big sentence. Does that sound good? Sounds good. I'm excited. I'm ready. Okay. So you said that if you don't know what to do, instead of just going to school and doing whatever, 
think about getting a business degree, especially an associate's degree, because that's flexible and you can still test out things through electives or through volunteering by spending time so that you know that you actually like that. Is that correct? Yes. Internships, like I said, membership-based organizations, the whole nine yards. Work okay. study was huge. Mm. I switched my major because of work study. <laughs> I That's amazing. That's such a great story. Yeah, I have like one friend who became a doctor and then he realized he didn't like it and it was too late. Yes, I've had many, many people get master's degrees in a field and then work in the career five years, not even a long time. Hate it. Yeah. So nope. get that practical experience. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And get a flexible, at least again, if you don't know, get a flexible uh, degree that is limitless, right? That doesn't box you in. I love that. All right. And then you also said that one of the best things you can do is go ask people questions. Be curious. <laughs> Find out. Like, if you're interested in a career path, go talk to someone. But if they want to charge you and you haven't even started a career in that, that's not your person. Find someone else. Success leaves clues. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Success leaves clues. But again, you have to think about a tip. If it seems a little bit uneasy or not for you, a little bit shady, probably is. Go find a new person. Yeah, it's not. And don't get a first no and give up. No, no, no. We can, we can ask a lot of people questions. It's okay. All right. So thank you so much for all this. I'm ready with your one big sentence. Let's see. You're doing a lot of things. So I focused mostly on your coaching. Is that all right? Sounds good. Because I know before we even came on, you're like, which thing do I talk about? And then I asked you questions about all of them. So sorry about that. We did hit racial healing circle training. So I'm a facilitator for racial healing circles and a diversity trainer. But nice. Next time. Next. Yes. For season two. For season two. That's what we're going to do. All right. Here is your one big sentence for your leadership coaching. I help professionals with leadership qualities understand how to get unstuck based on their passions and goals while quieting the voices around them that are telling them to be busy instead of productive so they can understand their why. How do how how did I do? What would you change? I would change why to passion or passions. And then that's okay. it. I love it. All right. One small change. I can I can do that. So I will send this to you after the show. And uh, in season two, we can do the racial the racial healing facilitating. Right. Which I love that. I want to ask you a million questions about that right now, but I will have control. Right. We need to have self-control. <laughs> so let me ask you this one last question, which is how I always end the show. If someone is listening to this, your person, someone who has leadership qualities that maybe they're not ready to admit they want to be a leader yet, what is one piece of wisdom you would give to them? And if it's something you already said, feel free to double down on it. Repeat the question. So there's someone out there. They're your person. They just don't know it yet. And they have these ideas that they might want to be a leader. They have the leadership qualities. What one thing would you encourage them to do to explore that? Good question. First and foremost, 
get a great support system. You are not going to be successful or the quality leader, right, that you could be without a great support system. And that, and that doesn't mean everybody that says they're your, they're your friend. They may be great and you can completely still come to my birthday party, but I need a support system for my leadership journey that's going to help elevate me. One, speak on my behalf when I'm not in the room, mm. right? And get me into the room or into the places that I, I need to be in. And they're going to help support me in a positive and motivating way on my leadership journey. I love that. Okay. So let's say that someone like that is listening right now and they want you to be part of their support system. How do they contact you to hire you for your leadership coaching? Good question. Good question. So I'm on LinkedIn. So my LinkedIn profile, um, and you can find all my contact information there. I got a Google voice phone number. I work at a bunch of different organizations. So you see me around in the community often. My Google voice number is 716-320-1569. And again, just LinkedIn message me. No big deal. I'm really easy to get in contact with. And there's that number. I think that's right. Is that right? Yes, that's perfect. Okay. And also her LinkedIn is in the comments. It will be in the show notes for this. If you're listening in, thank you so much, Christy, for coming on and for sharing your wisdom with us and your advice. I think that the listeners are going to enjoy this so much and get some much needed clarity, right? (laughs) And wonderful listener, I want you to know that you are amazing. I believe in you and your business story matters. Thank you for listening to my mom's radical podcast, Cool Face Emoji. And if you want to be radical like my super awesome mom, then you should totes check out her Impact Accelerator. You just need to leave a review of this podcast and screenshot that baby and send it to impact at literarysymmetry.com. And like my mama always says, your business story matters. Hey, I don't sound like that. Let's do copyright.